I've often said that the Lord is our executive producer and how true that is, especially today. Folks, the tension is at an all-time high in Israel. I hope that you're watching carefully what's going on. We are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Joel Rosenberg joins me now. This is what I mean about God's perfect timing. Joel, of course, New York Times bestselling author. He's also the founder and president of the Joshua Fund. And we have put out the Auschwitz escape up as our resource at InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. If you have never read anything that Joel has written, Please read this. Read everything he's written, but please, please read this one, because I sense in so many ways it is profoundly relevant to the days and the times in which we live. How interesting, how very interesting to have just completed a conversation with Anne Graham Lotz about heaven and the catalyst for this. She wrote it in 2001, reissued again in 2014, is very much the sense that God's judgment is coming. So we're going to have to make a decision who we serve and where we will be spending eternity. So now we watch what's happening in Israel, which is ground zero in human history. Joel, let's just backtrack this up a little bit. This started out with three teenage boys being kidnapped and eventually murdered, then an act of retaliation a few days later. How does that then escalate into the fact that there are our friend Tom Doyle just emailed me about 30 minutes ago saying that they are hearing rockets both in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem? How does the one jump to the other? Yeah. Well, Janet, good to be with you. Uh, things have really uh, spiraled. Uh, I, I wouldn't say out of control, but it, uh, the violence has just ratcheted up so rapidly in the last few days. But you're right. There's a there's a bit of a backstory. You had three uh, Israeli teenage boys kidnapped by Islamic extremists, uh, probably Hamas. Uh, and they fought back, but they were murdered almost immediately. But we didn't know that. We all thought they'd been kidnapped, and there was that massive manhunt for them uh, over the course of several weeks. Uh, their bodies were found, um, and as soon as it was learned that these three uh, teenage boys uh, who were Israelis, Jews, had been murdered, Jewish extremists then kidnapped a 17-year-old Arab Palestinian teenage boy, 17. And we've lost Joel Rosenberg, so we'll see if we can get him back on as quickly as possible. Our number is one eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Let me just tell you again what Tom Doyle had said to me in an email. Clearly, there are the sound of rockets going off right now in both Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Hamas is making the declaration that they have, quote, much in store for Israel. Sirens are wailing, but as is often the case in Israel, because it's one of those unique countries that has been built with a brick in one hand and a rifle in the other, life goes on. Open-air concerts interrupted temporarily. They continue. Most of the dwellings in Israel have some kind of a bomb shelter because they're very used to this. It's standard procedure that most Israelis have a mask of some kind in the event that some sort of weapon was used. So obviously very unstable. Joel, thank you for coming back again. So you were recapping the story of the three teenagers. Again, I'm just trying to figure out in my mind, we know that the tension between the PLO and the Israeli leadership is legion. It's been there for a long time. It will be there, by the way, I think, until Jesus returns. But how does it jump from this atrocity committed on both sides, by the way, against these teenagers to suddenly now rockets going off and being aimed at Tel Aviv? Well, we're, we're coming off the heels of a failed peace process, right? Uh, the Obama administration put enormous pressure on uh, the Israelis to, to cut a deal, divide Jerusalem, give up the West Bank. Uh, the Israelis said that they were willing to negotiate, but they, but 
there were certain realities that they had to take into place, uh, that had to be accepted, which is that Israel would be a Jewish state, so on and so forth. We, we, we've talked about this. But, but what happened is when the Palestinians decided they, that's it, they, didn't wanna, they weren't going to talk about Israel being a Jewish state, what the Palestinian leadership under Mahmoud Abbas did was they, instead of signing a deal with Israel, they signed a deal with Hamas. This was a big mistake. I mean, uh, what they so now Abbas has uh, and the PLO have tied themselves to the terrorist organization Hamas. Well, right in that, then right in the midst of that, Hamas decided to capture these three Israeli teenage boys and murder them uh, because Hamas doesn't want peace. Hamas doesn't, Hamas doesn't want even peace with the PLO. What they want is to take over the PLO. Hamas wants to do to the West Bank what they did to Gaza, take it over and control it as a terrorist launching pad against Israel. So now, of course, the news comes out that the, these three Israeli boys were murdered. And unfortunately, tragically, uh, horribly, uh, Jewish terrorists then captured a 16-year-old Palestinian Arab boy and burned him alive. Well, this has just escalated and escalated and Hamas and Islamic Jihad have now fired, uh, I, I've lost, I'm not sure I know the exact count, somewhere about 300 rockets just since the 1st of July last week, 146 just today, Tuesday, including at Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, and there are some missiles that have now gone north of Tel Aviv, the furthest Hamas and Islamic Jihad have ever been able to fire at, at Gaza. So you got what you have, just to simplify that, is, and I know there's a lot of pieces, but at the heart, Hamas is a terrorist organization committed to the absolute annihilation of Israel. They don't want peace. They want to draw Israel into a war so that they will build sympathy and that they will mobilize sort of uh, the same sort of ferocity of Islamic extremism against Israel that ISIS the Islamic State in Iraq and, and the Levant or, or the Al-Sham, the, you know, the, uh, the, the Middle East, is seeing um, and experiencing in Syria and Iraq. It's the same type of concept, and, uh, and Hamas is trying to galvanize a, a, a war to annihilate Israel, and Israel's fighting back very hard right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. Let me backtrack on something you said, Jill, because I think it's significant. Secretary of State Kerry goes, he tries to broker peace. you got to give him credit. Just about every other Secretary of State before him, in my memory, has tried to broker a lasting peace. And again, as followers of Yeshua, we know that that's simply not going to be a lasting peace until both sides come to recognize the Prince of Peace himself. Having said that, John Kerry goes back, puts again on the table a lot of the sticking points, no further building in Jerusalem, Jerusalem divided in half, if not given completely to the Palestinians, the right of return, this contiguous state, all of the pieces that have been put in motion. But when Fatah decides to partner with Hamas, even our country, who took forever to put Boko Haram in the terrorist category, has long called Hamas a terrorist organization. Was that not just... Common sense prevailing here, the death knell for the peace talks. How does Israel broker peace with a group who wakes up every day bent on the destruction of the Jews and wants to drive them all into the sea? Their words, not mine. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I just, 
there's so many different ways to answer that question, except that the one that comes to mind, I guess, that in, in my heart is, I just feel so horrible for the Palestinian people. I yes. feel horrible for Israelis who are living, millions of them right now, in bomb shelters. Uh, and I know a lot of them, and, I, and I'm, I'm emailing with them, and it's just a horrible situation. But these Palestinians, you know, who don't want war, who just simply want maybe something more than I want or I think is biblically acceptable, but they, but they want freedom. They want peace. They want their own state. I don't begrudge them their, what they want. And most of that, just shy of a state, they should have, right, just their day-to-day ability to govern themselves. But the people they have chosen are crushing them. I mean, the decisions that are being made at the, at the, at the government level among the Palestinians are just flat-out ruining the lives of the Palestinian people. The Palestinian leadership under Mahmoud Abbas should be crushing Hamas, not creating a peace deal with Hamas. If you want to create peace, make it with Israel so that Palestinians can get on with their lives, right? But when, the, when Abbas makes a deal not with Israel but with Hamas, we just, you know, we all know what Hamas is. They're a terrorist, radical, jihad, al-Qaeda-esque organization. They are, in fact, literally, this is not an exaggeration, they're a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, the, the Palestinian version. That's their charter. That's what they say. We want to annihilate all the Jews and get all of Israel back. So we know, and, and Abu Mazen, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, they, he knows what Hamas wants. And yet he has chosen to be to make peace with them, which ties the Palestinian fate right now to whatever Hamas does. And Hamas doesn't want peace. They just don't. They want to start a war. They want to get Israel to invade Gaza because they want to capture more Israeli citizens and soldiers so they can either kill them or trade them for their own hundreds of terrorists that have been arrested already by Israel. So it's a cyclical violence, evil upon evil upon evil, and caught in the crossfire are all these Israelis and Palestinians who are just trying to walk through the day. And it's just tragic. At least Israelis have, look, they don't have the greatest, I'm not saying that the the, the Israeli leadership is, you know, is make every decision correct. They don't. But they are trying to defend their people. And unfortunately, the Palestinian leadership is is in league with a terrorist organization. They've the Palestinians have got to break this off. They've got to be able to say, no, we don't want Hamas. We actually do want peace. And it, it, it's heartbreaking. Exactly. And I appreciate so much what you're saying. So as we see the animosity notch up, obviously a question, and I'm going to put the question out, Joel, and wait for your answer when we get back after the break. But Hamas doesn't act in isolation. If someone were to pull out that map in the back of their Bible, they would see exactly where Gaza is. They see its proximity to Egypt. They'd remember the conversations we've had over the years about the tunnels that go right into Gaza. They'd look at its proximity to Libya, and then they'd wonder where... Muammar Gaddafi's weapons are, and you start connecting the dots thinking, wait a minute, there are a lot more teams that could side with the PLO and Hamas than there are with the Israelis. So what does that look like in the next couple of weeks? Joel Rosenberg is with us, New York Times bestselling author, founder and president of the Joshua Fund. Learn more by going to In the Market with JanetParshall.org.
We're visiting with New York Times bestselling author and so glad that we're talking to him today because tensions are continuing to mount in Israel. Sirens are wailing as Israel intercepts rockets that have been aimed at Tel Aviv and Hamas is delivering a declaration that they have much more in store for Israel. Jill Rosenberg, really keen insight into what goes on in the nation of Israel. And one of the reasons, if I might be so bold, that that keenness is there is because he does exactly what Billy Graham challenged us to do so many years ago, and that's to walk through life with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. So you see what's happening in world events, but then you open up the Word of God and you look that the problem is not new, and the solution, by the way, has always been the same. And that's extremely important for us to remember. And that you and I, even if we don't live in Tel Aviv or Netanya or Jerusalem, we all have a role to play in this. And that's to be praying for that part of the world on a regular basis, that hearts would open to be receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ, both Arabs and Jews, by the way. That is the answer. So, Joel, as we watch this, and this is nothing new. This is the rhythm of life in Israel ever since she was birthed. So if Hamas makes the declaration that they have much more planned, my concern always is I do not believe, nor have I ever believed, that Hamas acts in isolation. They are back-funded. They are back-supplied. We've got enough nations that want to destroy Israel. My concern is never just Hamas. It's always who's partnering with Hamas. What are your thoughts? Right. Well, yes, they they get money and weapons um, from Iran. You may recall not long ago, earlier this year, uh, Israel intercepted a ship bringing missiles and other types of arms uh, to Gaza for Hamas from Iran. Uh, this is the same country that, you know, the U.S. and the P5 plus one are saying, well, you know, maybe we'll let you have Iran have some nuclear, you know, enriched uranium and 190,000 centrifuges. It, it, some of this is just Alice in Wonderland. It's just yes. bizarre. You know, we you think, how do the world leaders not, you know, how do they make decisions? I don't understand. But thank God, as you said, we have a king of kings. There's a God in Israel. He loves both Israel and he loves the Palestinians. And mm-hmm. he, and the good news of the gospel is Jesus is coming back. And he, as much as I love him to come back to Washington or, you know, upstate New York where I grew up or <laughs> or Brazil, which really needs him right now, <laughs> get crushed. Oh, I, I have family in Brazil. I just, okay, whatever. But he's coming to Jerusalem. That's where he's coming, and that's why the fight is on. Satan wants to control that city and that territory. He—that's what is the core of this, and we just can't. We have to be careful not to forget that ultimately this isn't a geopolitical or economic battle. It's not even a religious battle in the sense of Islam versus Judaism or, or or what. Ultimately, this is. Jesus versus Satan. <laughs> and Satan mm-hmm. plans to rob, kill, and destroy. And if you think of it just very simply, you know, um, God chose the Jewish people to bless them. And Satan said, fine, I will choose the Jewish people to curse them. Mm-hmm. God said, I'm going to give Israel, a, a, the Jewish people, a land. Satan said, fine, I'll take it away. God said, I'm going to make Jerusalem the city of peace. Satan said, fine, I'll make it a city of bloodshed. God said, I'll take the Temple Mount and make it holy unto my name. Satan said, fine, I'll desecrate it. And you can root all that in one verse in the Bible, John 10.10, where Jesus says of the thief, Satan, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And when you look from the Abrahamic Covenant all the way through Revelation, 
through the lens of John 10.10, you understand in one verse that that anything Jesus is for, Satan is coming to destroy. Now, Jesus Mm. wins, if you read to the end of the book, uh, if you read Mm. through Revelation, uh, we understand that. But in the meantime, the Bible, Bible prophecy is very clear. God is going to allow Satan to rob, kill, and destroy, in part, to shake Israel, to shake her neighbors, and to shake the nations. Why? So that people will wake up and say, outside of peace through the Prince of Peace, Jesus yes, the Messiah, yes. there is no peace. There's, not, there's no geopolitical peace. There's no eternal peace. There's no day-to-day peace. There's zero peace without the Prince of Peace. And that's why God allows suffering and violence and war to get people to realize, well, how come what I'm trying isn't working? And hopefully people will turn to the scriptures and say, it's because I'm rebelling against what God wants me to have, yeah. which is a relationship with him. And so that's, the scripture's clear about this, and we have to ride through these hard, dark times uh, knowing what the end game is. Boy, Joel, do I appreciate you putting it in that context, because ultimately, while there might be rockets flying as we speak, ultimately, this is a spiritual battle, and we need to recognize it as such. So for the followers of Jesus, this puts us in a very interesting position, and that is there is still a public policy, an international diplomacy aspect of this. How do we pray? When we talk about praying for the peace of Jerusalem, it sounds very Sunday school-esque, if I can put it that way. But what does that mean? How do we put shoe leather into that, into the way in which we conduct ourselves, interact with our elected officials, and really show love for both Arabs and Jews, that hopefully they might come to know Jesus as Messiah? Right. Well, that's a good question, and it's got probably a longer answer than, uh, than, than we can do in the next few minutes. But I'm trying on my blog and on Twitter to give people bite-sized nugget answers to that, based on the scriptures. Um, so, you know, for example, we need to—we certainly want to be praying for the diplomats who are going to try to figure out some diplomatic solution to this. And, there, and, and let's not be cynical and say, oh, there's no diplomatic solution. Look, Egypt right now is not controlled any longer by the Muslim Brotherhood like they were a year and a half ago. Now, it doesn't mean that we're all jumping up and down because we're all so excited about General Sisi— being the new president, but, but he is trying to crush the Muslim Brotherhood and crush Hamas. He has influence. Egypt has a border with Gaza. It's hard for the Hamas team to get their weapons if they can't get them through those tunnels from the Sinai Peninsula into Gaza. So we need to pray that our diplomats and Israelis and others will, will be able to persuade General Sisi to work on crushing and, and strangling the Hamas bag money, the, you know, the, the, the terrorist money and the weapons. And we need to be praying for the kids on both sides of the border who are in bomb shelters tonight, scared out of their minds, yes. thinking, when is this going to end? Absolutely. Joel, thank you. What keen insight, as always. Folks, in the market with janaparshall.org, I give you that email address so that what you can do is follow what Joel does. His traffic flash reports are great. His blogs are great. His books are great. All of it's there for your perusal. In the market with janaparshall.org. If you will, check our question of the week and check out this month's truth tool, speaking of warfare, yours for a gift of any size. Thanks to Joel Rosenberg and you, friends. See you next time.